Who needs an alarm in the morning when McDonald's has sausage, egg, and cheese McGriddles and a breakfast cutoff? Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Welcome back to Black on the Scene. I'm Dee Dee Brown, here again with my co-host and partner in crime, John Gist. We are absolutely thrilled to welcome our multicultural publicity and marketing fam, the Sharday Show. San Diego native and started her career working in the multicultural space at California State University Dominguez, where she received a BA in communications with an emphasis in public relations and advertising. After graduating, she quickly started with Hollywood's biggest film studios and TV networks on national marketing and publicity campaigns. Sharday joined the Allied Moxie marketing and publicity team, where she contributed to the growing sphere of multicultural marketing targeted toward black audiences, which wasn't really a thing back then. But in 2015, Sharday took a leap of faith and started her own company, the Transparency Agency, where she took on clients such as Netflix, NBC, and Universal Pictures. Sharday then transferred to Cashmere Agency, where she led multicultural publicity efforts on campaigns such as Get Out, Girls Trip, Mudbound, and many, many more. Currently, she is at Netflix spearheading multicultural efforts across its films, TV series, and documentaries. Dee, that's such a great intro. Um, my girl, Sharday, what can I say about her? She's a powerhouse publicist, marketer, and just all around cultural authority to Blackness. I've known her for almost 10 years, and in that time, she's been my colleague, my friend, sister, therapist, dance partner, and everything else in between. I have the utmost respect for her professionally and personally, and I'm so happy to have her on the show today. She's going to keep it all the way real, so get ready, guys. Thank you, Sarday. Welcome to the show. Welcome. I need you guys. I need you guys to intro me everywhere I go. Like when I go to the, when I go to the grocery store, when I go to the club. Done. I just need you guys to come on the microphone right before I enter any doorway and introduce me because I, I love that. Oh, that how was you, so nice. Thank you. How are you? How you doing, baby? I'm. You know what? I'm good. All things considered, uh, cannot complain. Uh, just celebrated my birthday, so still slightly recovering from that. Um, but you know, enjoying the rest of my vacation and then hopping back into the work next week. Listen, we all, we jumping in, doing the work. Um, we're so happy. Dean and I are so happy. I think we, me and her have been like talking about this. We were like, we got to pin Sarday down to get on our show. So you, we are so happy to have you on Black on the Scene. I wanted to first say, I can't, we can't have a conversation about talking about some of my favorite memories of you, Sarday, just on a, on a friend level. From a professional level, obviously, you, we worked at Ally Moxie together for some years, and you came in and, and, and slayed everything you worked on and all the amazing campaigns you touched. Um, but I always remember us um, just, just in the office, just having a good time, just laughing, just trying to make it through every day. You learning from me, I learning from you. Like, just it was just such a family. And I think that also just really, you know, all the years later where we haven't even worked together, we still are in each other's lives very much so. So I just think that just speaks to the, the kind of person you are, the kind of warm, thoughtful, amazing, sometimes intense person that you are. And I, I just love that so much. And I'll never forget our time dancing together at Essence Festival, having a good time. It was a good time. Shout out to the Jacksons. We tore it up. <laughs> we tore it up. We tore it up. <laughs> but yeah, let's dive in. Like, I want to talk about your journey of your career because you you worked in agency life you majored in this marketing communications world you went out on your own like let's talk about early early college Charday and who that person was um early college Charday was um excited very kind of like open open-eyed was just looking for anything and everything to do. I'm not from LA. So I came out to here, I came out to LA to go to school, 
specifically Cal State Dominguez Hills, because at that time it was one of the most, it was either the second or like one of the top three most diverse institutions in the nation. Um, and so it had a lot of diversity. It also had a lot of great history as a campus because uh, a lot of people don't know this, but Cal State Dominguez Hills was really kind of more so a direct response to the Watts riots that happened in the early 60s. And so um, if you look back, there's like some old archival photos of Cal State Dominguez Hills. It's all black students. And you would quite frankly wouldn't even know it was a campus in LA. Um, you would think it would probably was like an HBCU somewhere in the South, but it, it has always primarily been a, um, a black campus for black students. So um, it was a very intentional decision to go to Cal State Dominguez Hills. And so um, I think one thing that people probably don't know about me or realize about me that um, I've actually never had a job that wasn't in the multicultural space. So I've never been like a waitress or I've never, you know, worked at your local bowling alley or something like that or was, you know, none of those things. I My first job I got in college in our multicultural center. And at that time, our job on the campus were to be facilitators um, for, you know, cultural conversations, especially conversations that were a little bit more difficult to have especially with students you know that are you know finding themselves and etc and are kind of encountering and going on their journeys um through whatever their identity might be and so a lot of my early work and the first work that i've ever done has been you know working in a multicultural space whether that's programming for latino heritage month or asian pacific islander month so i've always dedicated or been in that space and always have contributed to culture from the beginning. And so um, that's why I tell people, you know, this isn't like a job for me. It's definitely more of like purpose work. Cause I've never, like I've applied to work at Delta, like TSA and I never got those jobs and I used to cry and sob about it. But now it's very clear that like, I wasn't meant to take any of those jobs. Like I was always meant to work in the multicultural space. And so um, I was very involved on campus in addition to um, in addition to working in the multicultural center, I was also the, I'm like trying to remember all these positions. I was also the vice president of our student government and I was the chair of our student union, which I was, I think I was the only student that was able to hold those two positions concurrently. Um, so much so that they had to change the bylaws because they realized I had access to both of the student budgets on campus. Um, and then on top of that, I also had a radio show um, at Cal State Dominguez Hills. So I also was a radio show host. And so I had a show called, a lot of people don't know this, but I had a show about, so you guys get all the exclusives here. Um, I had a show called I'll Gas No Breaks where I would interview local artists, um, you know, students on campus, all, all types of things. So I was, I was highly, 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 highly involved on my campus and in the community. Um, so that's kind of how I've always gotten my start. Didi, we should rebrand Black on the Scene to All Gas No Breaks. <laughs> oh my God! Oh, we <laughs> know with a special that. correspondent, Miss Jenkins. <laughs> right, Char. It's so funny that you say this. A, it explains why you are the consummate professional and expert that you are, because you didn't just fall into this. Most of us, in, in, in talking to a lot of folks uh, in publicity in general, but certainly the multicultural space, we never knew it was a thing. But you majored in public, public relations and advertising. How did you know that was a thing going to college? Well, I, I originally, so Cal State Dominguez Hills actually was, had like a really unique program that I was excited to take, which was like, it was like business administration with the emphasis in entertainment, mm -hmm. hospitality, and like sports or something like that. So I was already excited about that, but then I slowly realized that I, I hated all the business classes. It was like my worst semester. I got like a 1.9 GPA that semester because I failed like accounting, I failed economics, I like, it was, it was bad. And so when I had that bad semester, when I was a business major, I was like, what do I know how to like do? And what can I do really well? And I was like, I can talk. I was like, I can talk my ass off. I can talk all day. I can talk to you about anything. And that's what I just knew what I, what my gift was. So instead of kind of like leaning into direction where people were trying to tell me to lean, I was like, I'm leaning into what I know to be true and I can communicate. Um, so I became, um, I switched my major. I changed my major to communications. Um, and I was really fortunate to have a lot of, of great professors at Cal State Dominguez Hills 
um, who were, you know, advertising executives at other agencies or at Toyota. And, and I think I had, I forgot, I had one professor who had like a short cameo and like set it off <laughs> for like a second. Um, and so like the, the curriculum at. Everybody loves McDonald's fries. So yes, you accused your mom of stealing some of your fries on the way home. Um, but the bag did feel a little light. Dominguez was just so rich. And so it also was helpful to have that curriculum and be in LA. And so, you know, you don't have to be in Hollywood just to get entertainment experience. And I think that's the thing kind of people miss out here is that LA has so many pockets of entertaining and entertainment. And so I was taking those classes and then I would find, you know, my local friend who was up trying to be a producer and I was like, do you need a marketing plan? And I was like, okay, I'll write your marketing plan. So I, I have endless amounts of press kits, marketing proposals for rappers and producers who never saw the light of day. <laughs> <laughs> so you're in college and, and, and my memory's a little rough on this, but I remember you were an intern at Allied, right? And <laughs> while still going to college. No, so, no, 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 no. I had graduated. You graduated. Okay, you graduated. Okay, you graduated. Okay, you had graduated mm-hmm. already. Okay. And you were, but you were interning, right? Yeah, I was the okay. first intern at Ally Moxie. You were the first intern at Ally Moxie. So that was kind of your, was that your first introduction to the multicultural marketing space from an agency entertainment perspective? Yeah, I would say it was the first. Like there were, there were like, some local, like some friends that I had that were building companies. And so I had a homegirl at the time who was already kind of like in PR. And so I would help her with her clients and she would have some entertainment people, but like none, nobody that anybody really knew they weren't household names or anything like that. So I had kind of already started getting familiar with like talent or writing press releases and stuff like that so while I was still in college. But then when I graduated and I got the internship at Ally Moxie, that was really kind of like where I was really trying to use a lot of that outside of what I learned in class, but really the the outside experience that I taught myself. And so the things that I was getting involved in on my own, just whatever it was, you know, somebody had a random online magazine and something like that, that popped up or a blog. I just used all that experience once I had like a real job in the industry. Right. Um, so it was a mix of what I learned in school and just real life experience. Well, I want, I want to break that down a little bit too, because this is for everyone listening. She was an intern and then she got hired full time at Ally Moxie because she just was that damn good. They didn't want to lose her. But like, talk about, again, that being your first kind of introduction mm-hmm. to that world, right? And like, what did you feel like was your, was your learning curve? Like things that you could, you pulled out from your, from school, things you pulled out from your kind of up your side, things that you were working on. Like, what were some other things you felt like I had to make sure I was bringing this to the table when I was coming to work here. I mean, the one thing that I can say about Dominguez Hills is like, you know, it's not, it's not Harvard or anything like that. Um, And that's not to say that in a negative way, it's just, you know, Cal State institutions are, you know, they're not funded like how they need to. So they really lack a lot of resources. And because we lack a lot of resources as students, where the campus really leaned in was making sure that you had great organizational skills and that if you didn't know anything, maybe you weren't the best in your class, but you were gonna be great at leading teams. You're gonna be great great at working on projects with other people. You're gonna be great at organizational skills. Like they really gave us the skill sets to be leaders. And so that was really kind of a lot of what I had to use when I started working in PR of like, you know, how do you, how are you proactive of like asking questions and being curious and wanting to figure out like now, now I understand that everything I was trying to figure out was like workflow, (laughs) but at that time it was like processes and stuff like that. And, you know, how do you try to manage people's expectations and how are you communicating? What are things that you say? What are things that you don't say? Do you write a press release or do you not write a press release? So Um, I think a lot of that stuff also for me was just really also, um, and I'll share this here of like, I drove from San Diego to Hollywood every single day for that internship. And so because I was driving 200, 300 miles a day, taking an Amtrak train to the red line and sleeping on couches and stuff like that, I was very determined of like, whatever you guys are about to teach me, like I'm, I'm sitting here and I'm learning because I got to sit in a car for four hours a day. 
and I'm not doing that for no reason. So if I have to write all these letters to these influencers, like, what does that mean? What is the importance of it? Like, how often do we have to do it? So it's a lot about asking questions um, and also just being present when there were like events and red carpets or screenings, like what are those processes and workflows? But I also had run events on my campus. So I had ran the largest, one of the largest student run events on our campus, which was our fashion show. So I already had a lot of like, okay, I can run an event so I can run a screening. Running a screening isn't, isn't difficult. So it was just understanding like, what are the basics of what I'm doing, right? So if you take those fundamentals from school and those experiences, then what it is is just having to understand the nuance as it relates to film, as it relates to TV shows, and um, also understanding the philosophy and ideology around why we do certain things certain ways from an industry perspective. And so I think that's the biggest thing because otherwise than that, you'll just be doing things for the sake of doing things. Well, and I tell you what, so from the jump, you were strategic. You knew that the hard work that you were doing was ultimately going to pay off. And so it starts to pay off. Was, can I just ask if that internship was unpaid or paid? It was a paid internship, but because I was driving from San Diego to Hollywood every day, it wasn't enough for me to also save money. So I had got a job off of LinkedIn where I was a social media manager for Beyond Meat. So back then, nobody knew what Beyond Meat now it was. Now everybody loves Beyond Meat. But I was like one of the first people who worked on their socials and built their socials. I don't think I ever knew that, Jordan. Um, yeah, wow. it was, it was a lot. So I worked for this social media agency and beyond me was a client. And I remember I had, you know, was in meetings with the CEO and all this other stuff, but they paid me enough money to save money to move out here. So I, I drove back and forth for six months. And during those six months, I was the beyond me social media manager. So I would go be like, Oh, I have to go to the bathroom. And I would go update the social media pages for beyond me. And I would come back to my desk and work on all my stuff for Moxie. (laughs) Girl, your work ethic is like unparalleled. It's so, you just weren't waiting for somebody to give you something. And you were out here in these publicity streets, making it happen. And I'm curious to know you're in-house now, but you have robust agency experience. Mm-hmm. Talk about some of the differences in what you need to do to maintain an agency, maybe workflow in comparison with being in-house. Yeah, I would say, honestly, like, I don't, I, I wouldn't recommend, I, I, you know, I know people have different opinions on like being in-house or an agency, but if I was honest, I would say that I wouldn't come in-house unless I have, have been at an agency. I think agencies, while, you know, every job has its plus and its minuses, but you, the experience that you get at agencies is unparalleled. Like there's nowhere else that you can work on so many clients, right? And so you're getting an under, you're getting now a broader understanding of an, of, of an industry of business context and et cetera, where, you know, if I was at, Fox for, you know, 10 years, I only know how Fox works, right? And so that means I don't know about, you know, maybe Universal has a specific workflow that is really, really great that, you know, we don't even know about or have never even worked on. So like, how do you know where you can really kind of implement other um, processes, ideas, and et cetera, for efficiency workflows and so forth? So um, agency experience to me, I think would be for like, it would be much of a requirement for me because you just really have to get an understanding of the business at that level. And then also, um, you know, agency work can be strenuous. It can be, you know, early mornings, late nights, lots of, lots of stress. Um, But I think the experience that you get is is unmatched right and so and I've seen that play out in a lot of different ways and then also I would say the historical business context that you get on campaigns from a broad perspective um, when I say broad I really mean like um, a holistic in um, a holistic industry perspective where you know I can give you context on like all of what it was like working on Universal Pictures for 2015 and what those titles were what titles were really successful, why they were successful, why they weren't successful. I can also do the same thing of like, I can tell you why Get Out was a big proponent of creating 
the culture writer position at a lot of editorial publications that people don't understand or have that timeline or that context on or why Mudbound was a, a shape-shifting um, film for Netflix as a business and stuff like that. So there's just a lot of, of, of business understanding and, and business acumen you kind of get from working at an agency um, that I think really helps you better understand the work when you're internal someplace um, because you have so much outside perspective and you can kind of be able to... If you went on a road trip and you didn't stop for a Big Mac or drop a crispy fry between the car seats or use your McDonald's bag as a placemat, then that wasn't a road trip. It was just a really long drive. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. At participating McDonald's. To nail when things don't really make sense or find other ways where things can be better for the business. I think that's, I think that's so interesting that you brought that up because you've worked on so many amazing campaigns from being on the agency side, being in-house, having your own agency as well. Um, and I wanted to talk about that because there was a point in your career where you did go off and venture to do your own agency. And I want to kind of talk about those, those tools that you kind of brought with you from your own, you know, your, your experience being on in-house at an agency and then saying, all right, I'm ready to do my own thing and still being able to secure big clients. You know what I mean? Like that, I think that's a testament to just people trusting not necessarily the agency, but the person behind it, right? The person that we know is doing the work. And I remember always rooting for you when that was happening. I was like, damn, Charlie is getting it over here. And like, she is, she is getting it and she is getting it in so many amazing ways. So like, talk about like that transition for a second. Well, we can't I, hear you, Didi. I can't hear you, Didi. What'd you say? I said, and getting profiled in magazine articles. Let's not forget that. Like, got all of the love. Yes. <laughs> um, I mean, if I'm honest, a lot of that was ego, right? I had a lot of ego and pride at 25. So um, I, I'm glad I did it. I don't regret that I did it. I'm glad I did it at that age. And, and um, but I also love using other people's resources and not my own. Um, so when I made that decision, I was 25. And so, you know, like I said, agency life can be stressful, was working on a lot of campaigns, um, was just the pay just was not there for me to kind of like sustain a life that I thought I should be able to sustain um, working in entertainment. And so when I kind of looked around at everything that I was doing, because I was also doing a lot of things that were outside of my scope and my job title, I kind of just had a day where I was like, well, if I'm not doing this, there's nobody who could do this. So then I was like, well, let's see. So I quit. <laughs> um, and I quit. And I was like, you know, I had some savings. My good friend Salas was like, you know, you should really consider, you know, going on your own and stuff like that or whatever. So I was like, look, I'm young. I don't have no kids. I don't have no husband. Like if I'm going to do it anytime, it's, it's, it's the time right is right now. So I quit. I started my agency. Um, and I probably would say within a month, um, Allied had reached out to me and I was able to bring them back on as a client after I had quit my job there. Um, and so when I brought them back on as a client, then I was able to still work on campaigns, which was like, you know, right along to, I think Jim and the holograms, um, a few other campaigns I was able to, to, uh, I think launched like this is us with them and et cetera. So was able to still work on campaigns, but was able one to actually get paid what I needed to get paid for working on those campaigns um, and have a lot more autonomy that I needed and that I knew because of my skill set as a publicist. And so, but also with that, you know, understanding business, um, you know, on learning how to run a business, being an entrepreneur, which I think is great. I also don't think it's for everybody. Um, and so I don't know that I would probably do it again, but I'm glad that I did it because I needed that experience and I needed that journey to kind of continue to push me. And I had to have like a come to Jesus moment of like, am I at my best skill wise to maintain this business? And I wasn't. And that was, you know, like I said, like I quit based off of my ego and my pride of like, well, I'm doing all this work. Like, no, you guys don't have anybody else to do it. And it technically worked in my favor, but we also have to be honest with ourselves when we're saying we're not, I'm not there yet. And I had to have that talk with myself to be like, this is cool and you're great, but you're not there yet. And so 
Um, when I had that conversation with myself, that's also when I saw that Cashmere had a job position open. Um, and most don't know this about <laughs> my journey about Cashmere, but when I was in college, there was, um, there was an event called Social Media Week and it was the first one ever and it was in Hollywood. Um, I made a t-shirt that said, hi, my name is, and I put all my social media handles on the back and I was really excited and I skipped my classes and I was like, I'm going to the social media week. And I saw that there was this panel that was talking about Snoop Dogg. And I saw that there was this guy named Ryan Ford on the panel. So I'm watching this panel and I'm like, oh my gosh, like this guy is so smart. He's brilliant. They work with Snoop Dogg. This is like my dream. I email them when I'm in college. I'm like, here's my resume. I'm like, I'll do anything. Please, please, please accept my internship. Never heard back. So flat, fast, fast forward, what, like four years later, they have a position open. Um, I made like a, a personal deck of like all my work that I did. I interviewed everybody that I needed to interview from like the VPs and CEOs and all of other stuff in one day and got the offer in the same day. Um, and so that's how I started working at Cashmere. And so I started at Cashmere literally January, 2017. Didi and I truly hope that you are enjoying this episode of Black on the Scene, but we're interrupting this episode just for a quick second to ask a favor. Please take a moment to hit the subscribe button and leave us a rating after the show. And now we return to Black on the Scene. Enjoy. Can we and talk about, John and I are fighting over right. who, uh. <laughs> I'm first. Um, can we talk about, when you talk about the skill set, right, mm -hmm. of A, just working at an agency, all the things that you're juggling, running your own business is somewhat similar, but there's a difference. And I'd love for you to just explain maybe in a little bit more detail about what those differences are. You, you know that I've been on the entrepreneurial journey too, and it is a very similar but super different thing. Yeah, the difference in the skill set is the government. <laughs> That's what it is. It's being compliant <laughs> with the state <laughs> of California and it's being compliant with the IRS. <laughs> so that's what the difference is. But it is, it's like, you know, you can't just go out here and, and run a business like with no accountability for what it takes to run a business, to run a, to have a license, to, you know, have accounting, to have this thing, to have that thing. And so, you know, and publicity is not a, you know, a traditional nine to five job. So it's 24 hours as is a being an entrepreneur. Like you never know what you might have to do as an entrepreneur to make sure that you're meeting whatever your goals are from a profit perspective. What are your losses? What's your overhead? You know, what's going out, what's coming in. That's a lot to think about also because you're responsible for that. Now there's no HR department. There's no, Hey, I need to talk to you about my salary. You are the person you are talking to about your salary. So um, it's just a lot from an accountability perspective that I think, which I think people think like, hey, I don't have to answer to anybody. And, and then it's like, no, yes, you do. It's the government. <laughs> and they're a little bit different when you don't meet their expectations and when you don't follow their rules. And I was just kind of like, hey, I'm, I'm, I'm smart and I'm, I'm great and I know I can do all this. Do I want to do all of this is the question. And so I think for me, when I was like, this is cute, but it's not cute enough for me to like, I, I, I can't run this. Like, I still want to have, you know, a work-life balance. And there's a lot of sacrifice that has to go into being an entrepreneur. And you really have to be honest with yourself of, are you willing to make those sacrifices? Do you have the wherewithal to make those sacrifices? Um, and are the sacrifices worth it? And so for me at that time, it just wasn't worth it for me. Will it probably be worth it maybe 10 years from now? Probably. But, you know, I'm like I said, but I'm still glad that I did it. But that was kind of like the biggest. It wasn't anything around PR, what my actual like skill set was for, my, for what I know to be great at. It was literally being a business woman and um, understanding those resources and how to get to them. We're talking about entrepreneurship and being an entrepreneur, but you get to, are you entrepreneurial in your 
corporate jobs? And if so, how are you entrepreneurial or intrapreneurial as they say? So you've got this amazing entrepreneurial skill set. How are you utilizing that within the within the job that you currently have? Um, I think it's a, for me, it's about being a dot connector. And so it's being able to kind of take some steps back and to take a step back and look at, um, look at everything that you're doing from like a 50,000 foot view, right? And so when you're looking at the movements of marketing, publicity, brand partnerships, um, you know, events, digital, all the things, right? it's being able to really take a step back from all of that and saying, how can I connect the dots to all these things to make sure I'm getting to the best and grandest idea. And I think that's a lot of that entrepreneurial spirit of really knowing where to connect the dots to make the most. Who needs an alarm in the morning when McDonald's has sausage, egg and cheese McGriddles and a breakfast cut off? Ba-da-ba-ba-ba impact and so and thinking of things and seeing things in way of you know when there's a challenge how are you meeting that challenge and it's finding multiple solutions it's being super creative right it's being um it's not being upset when things don't go your way it's being able to react to things in moments and still make them work right and so that's a lot of like where a lot of that spirit and that essence still kind of comes into play even working in in uh, more a more of a corporate structure and environment, it's still a lot of the same. Of you still want to, you still need to understand how the business runs. But at this level, you're really able to not be worried about H, being your own HR person, but you're really able to to take a step back and focus on what your work is. Um, and that's a lot of that benefit of being a dot connector in that sense. And so that's what I would like to say that I do. Um, from a cultural perspective is I'm looking through at everything through a cultural lens and how I'm connecting dots culturally. I want to, I want to, I want to talk about that for a minute, because I think that ever since I've known you, you've always been a living, living, breathing, walking just resource. You just always have information like, and I'm like, how does Charlotte know any of this? And it's like from hip hop to car culture to what's going on on black Twitter you just are a very resourceful, like what's cool, what's like, it's just what's hip. I'm like, I don't know what the hell is going on right now on music. So like, I'll let me talk to Sade about it. And I, I've always admired that about you because again, I think it always goes back to culture um, and not just black culture, right? Just but like just culture in general, because I think there's just a, there's a, you just really have your hands on just on the pulse of just everything kind of just going on. How do you do that? Like, what what are your what are you reading? What are you looking at daily? What are you consuming um, to kind of just know what's happening right now? Especially as it relates to your the job you've had in your career, you've had to be that resource. You've had to be that soundboard. What have you feel like you've been doing like continuously to kind of be that sponge and knowing all these things that you know? Um, I stay in I stay in the community. Like, I'm not above I'm not above anything or anybody. So. If it's the, you know, local hood function or something like that, that, you know, got a community component to it because they're selling lemonade to raise money for something else. And it's it's about kind of like where you, you got to go where the people are, right? And so a lot of our communities, they're creating culture, right? The things that we see that come to social media, not all that stuff is bred on social media. A lot of that stuff is happening at the local park down the street or at the community festival or at the mall or at this event and that event or on this campus or that campus. So for me, I've, I have I have all different types of friends and I have a lot of different connections in a lot of different places. I'm not a straight corporate person. And I tell people all the time, like I am Sharday Jenkins who just so happens to be a publicist. Like publicity does not make me I am, I am who I am and I'm able to be great at what I'm great at is because I'm really authentic to who I am and what I know. And so because of that, um, I, I, like I said, like when I was in college, I was in a part of an entertainment group that nobody cared to know about. We were having random meetings and people's living rooms and we're throwing parties that were getting shut down by the police. Like we were just, we were just outside, like in a, in a real way. And it's like, sometimes we kind of get 
stuck on our phones or stuck in these industry events or stuck in the industry in general, where we don't really go to where the community is really creating and having a lot of these conversations or where you have black businesses that are popping up in, in different fractions of the community um, and where people might be congregating, having conversations or et cetera. And then also just really kind of staying connected to generations before, like that are coming after us. And so, you know, I stay very connected and I'm, I'm not that old, but it's like, I like to know what, what's popping with all the young kids and who the young rappers are coming out because a lot of the stuff that permeates in culture are coming from kids, just like it was with, with, with my generation. Like my generation was the blogger generation. And so bloggers are created a lot of what we consume today. Like we wouldn't be consuming black Twitter or Twitter or anything like that if it wasn't for a blogger generation that were documenting, you know, the Kanye's before anybody knew they were Kanye's, the Drake's before they were Drake's and stuff like that. And so I'm, I'm big on, on young voices. And I think sometimes we kind of, we don't necessarily welcome them because we don't always understand, you know, the things that are hip that are coming out. And a lot of us relate to TikTok, but a lot of our cousins were already on TikTok or a lot of us relate to Snapchat, but a lot of our little sisters and little brothers were already on Snapchat. So it's really kind of just making sure that um, for me, that I'm always consuming all things that are of the culture um, really around black culture because black culture is what really drives a lot of things that permeate um, American culture. And so for me, that's kind of where I just always got it from is just always staying connected to the community, always staying connected to the streets, um, always staying connected also to the industry and staying really connected to young voices and watch, I watch a lot of content. So I watch a lot of documentaries. I love CNN's, you know, decade series where they go through all the decades and everything that happened. Um, so I'm just a natural consumer. So I just like to consume things. Can you talk a little bit about, and this is just for any of the young black on the scene audiences that are listening about any challenges you faced along the way in your professional, maybe it's marrying your personal and professional, how you navigate all of that but just something to illuminate that there's a huge need to be nimble or flexible or what you need to sort of navigate in this entertainment publicity world. Um, I would say, I mean, for me, I, um, you guys know me, I'm a, I'm a dynamic individual. I got a, I got a very distinct personality, right? And so, you know, I talk with my hands. I listen to really loud gangster rap music all the time. Um, I have a lot of like very like different cultural references for things and things that I listen to and things that I like. And so I would say when I first came into the industry, I think the biggest hurdle for me was a lot of the respectability politics that come with being a black professional. And so it's the, you know, you know, don't wear that hoodie or, or, you know, be careful when you talk with your hands or, you know, watch your facial expressions and meetings and stuff like that. And so I think now for me, what I realize is like a lot of that respectability politics comes is really dictated by white corporate culture. Right. And we really kind of push that on a lot of black professionals of how they show up. And so I think, look, I think there is an expectation of excellence. Right. And so I don't think you can fault on that and I, because I think that's what the work is. Right. But I think there's also something to um, being accepting of us as black people, especially when we're, when our culture is the culture that is driving the business for these businesses that we are working on. Right. And so a lot of that, and when I had, I had a big, big realization is that you can't say that you want a black publicist and not say that you can't accept me as a black woman. Right. And so part of me being a black, black publicist is me being a black woman. And part of that is me being Chardet. So if this is how I talk to and manage my relationships, then you have to respect that. And then you're going to respect it when a crisis comes up and you can't get, figure out how to get in contact with this rapper. And I can, because I'm, I, I have that authenticity of that relationship. And that's happened before where there's been a situation come up and everybody's like, we don't know who this is and we don't know how to handle it. And I was like, okay, give me a second. I'm gonna make a phone call and, and, and everything's cool. Right. And so that's why I'm big on 
um, maintaining all relationships from, from, from whether if it's corporate or if it's, you know, community-based, you know what I'm saying? And so for me, I think a lot of what a younger generation just has to focus on is the work. Your work will always speak for itself. And I think I've been, I, I would say that even for myself, I, I, I think the thing that I'm mostly proud of is that people know me for my work. And that, and that is what has always spoken for me. I've never, you know, I don't, I don't do a lot of the extras and stuff like that. I wasn't like big on always going out. I go out a little bit more, but my thing is that if you're going to know about me, if you're going to talk about me, you're going to talk about my work and that's it. Um, and I've always maintained focus on that. And I'm big on, if a lot of people don't probably also don't know this, but if you know me, I don't call people at all. I don't talk on the phone because I'm big on, if I call you, I need you to pick up the phone. So I don't call you so that you understand when I do call you, I need you to pick up the phone. And it's like a non-negotiable. And it's almost like an unsaid thing of like, oh, Sade doesn't call me. Why is she calling me? I'm like, cause I'm calling you for a reason. So that's why I, 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 I like to keep, you know, some distance in terms of, you know, people who know me professionally, like I'm very big on people who know me professionally versus personally. Um, and I definitely hold a line on that, on that boundary of um, people that I get to know me on a professional level, but that's because I've always wanted my work to speak for itself. So I've grinded and I still grind and I will work hard all the time because I want the work to always speak for itself. But also I am employed by the culture. So that is my employer, not any company that I work for. I am, my obligation and my duty is to black culture and is to black people. And so also what we have to understand is like, that is not a, um, that is not a small task. It's a huge responsibility. And so a lot of us are in these rooms where, where a lot of our friends and our families and our communities can't speak for themselves. And so because of that, I don't take what I do lightly and so I walk into everything what I into everything that I do with an understanding of this is a privilege and it is a responsibility that I have. And so I speak up for things when I feel like things aren't right. I feel I speak up for things when I do feel like things are right. Um, and if I have an opinion or I have to say something, I'm speaking on it as an expert around Black culture and culture. I say those things, um, and I don't shy away from difficult conversations or whatever. And there's also certain things that I don't negotiate when it comes to culture. And so I think um, to be successful in that space, you got to know where your boundaries are and you got to have some ethics. And I can't do also anything that I do without ethics. And so um, that has to be your North Star in, in navigating all that it is, you know, this industry and stuff. Charday, 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 girlfriend. I, me and Didi are writing these things down in the, in the Google Doc. Um, the Chardayisms. We are taking notes, girl. Is a thing. People know you for your work. Your work speaks for yourself. You're a hard worker. You're employed by the culture. So we know you. You give it all. You give it beyond hundred percent when you do your job. But what about those moments, Charday, when you need to like pull back, when you need to go on a vacation, when you need to just have some some quiet time, right? What do you do about your like to protect your mental health? Because that's obviously such an important part of all of this, right? We got to have balance here. It's boundaries, you know. Oh. Self care too. There's yeah. The, there's the vacation, but daily, I I already know you be up early hitting that gym. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. So, you know, when, when I was coming into this industry, I, I sacrificed my mind, body, and my soul to get where I'm at. You know, I had got, I think my heaviest was 232 pounds, depressed, anxiety, you know, crying, all types of things, you know, making, you know, bad financial decisions and stuff like that, just to, you know, maintain what I was doing. And so once I got to a place where I was able to finally have some balance, I have absolutely set boundaries for myself. So I work out every single morning and I do not sleep past 6 a.m. I do not play about that. I do not, I do not, I do not sleep past 6 a.m. Like that is like a big no-no. Um, I'm super, super, super big on those boundaries. I'm, I'm big on not taking calls after certain times, especially in the morning and in the afternoon and in the evening and et cetera. Um, and so I think it's just wondering like what works for you. And I know for me, it's like, I need to have that, that time in the morning where it's just me and I'm just thinking like I can respond to emails, but I'm not talking to nobody on the phone. Um, and I also am big on how long people meet with me. And I think that's probably the biggest thing that I've learned in the pandemic. 
I stop setting meetings that are longer than 15 minutes. If you can't talk to me about what you need to talk to me in 15 minutes, then let's assess what the meeting is for and what we need to discuss and what we need to get out of it. I don't go to meetings without agendas. I need to know what the purpose of the meeting is, what do you need to get out of the meeting? Because I need us to be efficient and effective because I need to get on and I need to get on because I got other stuff I got to do. So I'm also just big on my time and the time that I give the people. That's why, you know, if you're my friend, you know, like I said earlier, I don't talk on the phone because I have to talk on the phone all day. So part of that is also having boundaries of, hey, girl, let's text because I can't talk to you on the phone right now. And so that's just a big thing with me where maybe I'll talk to some people on the weekends, uh, but I don't like to talk on the phone a lot because it just takes a lot out of me. <laughs> Didi? Mint. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> we feel doubly privi privileged because of the boundaries that you say you set, that you made time for us today. And given that, we are not going to take much up, much more of your time up because we said we were doing it for 35 minutes. We already over 10. So we would love, 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 love to know what your love letter to Black Entertainment would be. As you know, John and I set, on, set out on this little endeavor to really shine a light on all our amazing friends and colleagues in the industry doing exactly the kind of conscientious, thoughtful, meaningful work that you do, that we do every day. And representation matters. So just share with us a little bit about, you're an OG multicultural marketer, what multicultural marketing or black entertainment has given you, because you've given a lot to it. Um, I would say, space to be myself like i i just want i want us to show up as black as possible all the time and not and i don't want to i don't want to have to curve i don't want to have to not talk with my hands i don't want to have to not use ice cube references to explain things like i just want everything to be authentically black like i feel like you can't you can't profit off of black culture without it being authentically black and so my biggest love letter is to for entertainment and to the entertainment to black entertainment is to just keep being black and even and even more unapologetically black whatever that is and whatever that looks like and i just you know this industry the first feature length film was birth of a nation that was about the kkk saving the day from slaves that was from dw griffith and dw griffith's money is what built the hollywood system so you got in order to understand where you're going that's sankofa you got to know where you're coming from. And so we got to look at this industry and see where this industry started and where it is and where we still need to go. And I think a lot of that is, and a lot of what we've seen in this pandemic and, and, and within the past year or so is we really have to continue to thrive and support our culture and stay authentic to who we are in our culture, no matter what. And we can't falter on that for anybody, not for corporate America, um, not for any, you know, white institution. It really has, we really have to say, I think to ourselves because that's the magic and that's where all of this is coming from. And that's what, what this country and what this, and what all culture and American culture is built on. Girl. Sade, Sade, <laughs> I mean, BB crying over there and, you know, <laughs> it's, it's, are I, you? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Sade, listen, I, I, I want you to know, like, we, you are someone that Didi and I just adore, not only because, again, you do the work and you do the job and you do the assignment so damn well, but you're just such a light and you give things such a, in, such a the real perspective of it all. And I just, I, I'm so honored to have known you in your career, early in your career, and to see the things that you've touched and see the things that you've done. I'm so proud and I'm going to start crying. It's just, it's just such a beautiful story. Oh, y'all don't make me start crying. You are, you, are just, you are just so, you are Sardae. Like Sardae needs to be its own word in a dictionary because it's just, you're just such an indescribable being. And I love you dearly. Didi loves you dearly. And we are so happy to have had you on the show today. Um, you've always been a supporter of, of us and our projects. So thank you so much for 
carving out some time to dropping these damn Sharday-isms and gems today because you did it, girl. And you I mean, shout it. out to y'all. You know what? And because let okay, let's give you guys two minutes because you guys are creating space and you guys are creating culture. And this is exactly what it's about. It's about us creating culture. And so you guys are moved to do this because you guys are active participants in the culture and you saw a need and a space where we weren't having conversation that we need to have conversation. And so the things that I do is exactly of what you guys are doing right now is that we always have to continually create space. It's not enough. There's, there's so much space for us to go around that we have to keep creating it. And so for you guys being the dope executives that you guys are, and I've known you guys for, year, for years, and I've seen what both of you guys are capable of, it's, this is even more important because this is exactly what the culture is about. And so there's a lot of people who talk about it or who aren't, who aren't about it, but you guys are talking about it and you guys are being about it. And that's what, that's exactly what this all is for. So I wouldn't be here without you guys, but also you guys are inspiring the next Chardet or whoever that is, because you guys are creating space and you guys are having the conversations that we need to be able to continuously create and expand and evolve our culture. So shout out to y'all, give it up for yourself. <laughs> and, on, <laughs> and on that note, we are going to wrap this show up and close us out, Sade. I mean, what a way to drop the mic once again. Boom. Thank, thank you so much for joining us, guys. See you next time. We love you, girl. Love you, bye. John, coming out of this episode, man, we have learned that Sade is the ultimate go-getter. This is a woman who drove four hours a day for an internship just to get relevant agency experience early in her career. That is really dedication to the craft and job. She has strategically and thoughtfully learned everything that she could from all of her life experiences to show up authentically and unapologetically Black and herself making Miss Sharday Jenkins the amazing marketer that she is. Agreed, Dee Dee. The thing about Sharday that I love is her grind and her grit. She has and will always figure out a way to do her best and be at her best. Sharday, you know we love you and we thank you so much for joining us on this episode of Black on the Scene. To our listeners, please, please, please don't forget to subscribe, leave us a rating and follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at Black on the Scene. B-L-K on the S-C-E-N-E. See you next time. Who needs an alarm in the morning when McDonald's has sausage, egg, and cheese McGriddles and a breakfast cutoff? Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.